Do you ever feel slightly unnerved when staring at yourself in a mirror? Is it the feeling that someone else is there, just out of your line of sight? Or is it that you think someone will appear over your shoulder? We're probably all aware of the folk legend of Bloody Mary, or the horror film variant of Candyman, or even the mirror in the trailer for Paranormal Activity 3. And there can be few people who don't know that vampires traditionally don't have a reflection, even if you're not sure of the reason why. It's because old-fashioned mirrors were silvered, a substance which your average vampire is not overly fond of. And the idea was popularised by Bram Stoker in his novel Dracula. These topics have all been covered many times before in other places. But there is much more to interest us when we look into this object. I'm Mark Norman, folklore researcher and author. Today, we take some time to reflect on the folklore of the mirror. Welcome to the Folklore Podcast. Folklore. The beliefs, traditions and culture of the people. Passed on in the most part through the spoken word, folklore expresses our values our shared ideas with others. It is both how we were and how we are. Without a record, our customs and traditions may become lost to us in the present, but under the surface, we still draw on them. We still know. It's time to recall our forgotten history and to record the new. This is the Folklore Podcast. As a species, we human beings are very superstitious creatures. The chances are, even if we are hardened sceptics or rational scientists, there are certain routines which we follow, generally because we would consider it to be very bad luck or tempting fate to do otherwise. Maybe we don't walk under ladders. Maybe we salute a magpie when we see it. Maybe we have to put one shoe or sock on before the other. And yet, the chances are that you have not just one, but a number of mirrors hanging in your home, even though you know the consequences should you break one. The humble mirror probably has more superstitious beliefs attached to it than any other object you own. Some are positive, some are most certainly not, and they vary greatly from place to place. But in folklore terms, the mirror is culturally a very significant object. It is a commonly held belief that to break a mirror will bring you seven years of bad luck. But why? And where does this time span come from? 
Many cultures believed that the reflection seen in a mirror is formed of the soul of the observer being projected out of the body and into the glass. Therefore, if the soul becomes trapped in the mirror and the mirror is broken, then the soul will be broken too. The Romans believed that life renewed itself every seven years, and therefore the soul would be damaged and could not be repaired for this period. Where you have folk belief that ill fortune may be caused, you will also find a folkloric antidote, just as wherever you find stinging nettles, you will find a dock leaf. Variously, it is said that putting the pieces of glass in a bag and burying them, or grinding them into powder so that they are no longer capable of reflecting, will prevent the bad luck. Slaves in the early days of America thought that putting the broken shards into flowing water would have the same effect. The direction of the water had to be to the south. Some people went further than the seven years of bad luck and suggested that breaking a mirror foretold that there would be a death in the family. There are other aspects of mirror law connected with death also. One superstition says that if a mirror falls from the wall and breaks of its own accord, then this means that someone in the house will shortly die. Another tells that a person seeing their reflection in a mirror which is placed in a room where someone has recently died will also die themselves shortly afterwards. Mirrors would often be covered during periods of death or illness. This practice was undertaken to protect the soul from becoming trapped. If the soul was wandering during illness, then this would ensure that it could pass back into the body. At the moment of death itself, having the mirror covered would mean that the soul would be able to pass to the afterlife without becoming trapped. In a similar way, fear of possession in some ancient cultures would lead to the mirrors in the house being covered. This would be done if the nature of the death was such that it was thought that the spirit would have unfinished business to take care of. Murder, an accident taking place through a third party's negligence or death brought on by tragic circumstances in love, might all lead to this end, for example. Because it was thought that the spirits of those who died in these sorts of circumstances would be earthbound, seeking a body to possess in order to exact their revenge, the act of covering the mirrors made certain that those still living were safe from such an attack. In Jewish custom, a seven-day mourning period where people sit in Shiva follows a death in the family. Mirrors at this time are also covered for reasons not too dissimilar. It is considered that in a house in mourning, the emptiness may be easily filled by negative forces. Some cultures would not only cover mirrors at the time of death or illness, but also at night or at any other time when people in the house were asleep. This was to ensure that the wandering soul of one who was dreaming did not become trapped. In Serbian and Croatian law, a mirror would sometimes be buried with a corpse to prevent the spirit from wandering or to stop one who was evil from coming back. This is similar to many of the burial practices to protect against vampires or other undead, 
which we have examined on the podcast before. So, mirrors are often considered to be a form of portal to the spirit realm. It is said that placing two mirrors facing each other in a room will create a gateway that would allow the spirits to pass through. These concepts of the mirror as a spirit portal undoubtedly led to the development of urban horror legends such as Bloody Mary and Candyman, and another similar one known as Blue Baby. In this less well-known version, the participant must stand in front of a mirror in a dark room and repeat the phrase Blue Baby 13 times. There are connotations here, of course, of 13 being an unlucky number, and also of the power of repetition in magical use. After doing this, a baby is said to appear in your arms and scratch you. If you don't drop the child and run, then the image of the mother will appear in the mirror demanding her baby back, screaming loudly enough to shatter the glass. Staying put through all of this will lead to her killing you. These challenge games, of course, play upon our many fears, such that one does not have to believe in them to still feel slightly unnerved at the prospect of seeing them through. Such is the power of suggestion. If you did actually want to see the spirits who inhabited your home, then it was said that this could be done by staring into a mirror by candlelight. They would then appear beside you. This practice would presumably not have worked in ancient China, however. There, it was believed that mirrors would scare away evil spirits because they were frightened of their own appearance. Mirrors and candles can also go together in other ways. In a wedding tradition found in Iranian folklore, a silver mirror and two candles are placed on the cloth on the floor upon which the Quran and other items are put. This cloth is known as the sofra. The first thing that the groom sees in the mirror should be the reflection of his betrothed. Also in Iranian custom, when a new house is purchased, the first things that cross the threshold should be a mirror with a Quran in front of it. In other cultures, however, it was considered to be unlucky to look in a mirror on the day of a wedding. This particular superstition is common throughout all regions of Italy. If the bride should see even a short glimpse of her reflection in a mirror before she gets to the church, then she must straight away remove a glove or an earring to avoid there being bad luck at the ceremony. Peter Loomis, who collected this particular belief, comments that the custom of avoiding a mirror is important because the act of vanity is what may cause the Christian god to become angry, leading to the ill fortune. He continues that the superstition element follows a magical logic whereby if action A takes place, bad effect B will occur unless action C is undertaken to negate it. Staring into a mirror or even at another form of reflection, is also recorded often in folklore for divinatory purposes. The act of divining using a mirror is known as catoptromancy, or sometimes enoptromancy. 
It was certainly undertaken as far back as ancient Greek times as a means of discerning whether you would recover or not from an illness. The person suffering would pray to the relevant god or goddess. A mirror would then be lowered into a fountain or a well and the reflection would be examined. Whether it looked healthy or otherwise would be an indicator of the fate of the person suffering the illness. It is commonly known that in many magical practices a dark mirror is used for divination work. This process is called scrying. Later this month, supporters of the podcast on Patreon will be able to hear an extra episode which looks at an allegedly haunted dark mirror which is said to scare virtually everyone who looks into it. Ordinary mirrors, however, crop up plenty of times for divination customs in folklore around the world. Here's just a few examples from Kentucky by way of illustration. Walking down steps backwards whilst looking into a mirror will show you the person who you will marry, as will sleeping with a mirror under your pillow. You could also sleep with a mirror under your head for three nights in a row. On the third night, you will then dream of who you are to be wed to. If this seems a little rapid and you need more time to consider, then count nine stars every night for nine nights and then place the mirror under your pillow. Your intended will come to you in a dream. I guess there are few surprises in love from this state. Not all positive superstitions involving mirrors are centred on love and romance, although like many divinatory customs there are a lot that are. If you are at home on your own and are feeling sad or bothered by something, then it is suggested that you should stand in front of a mirror and gaze into your own eyes in your reflection. Your anxious state is said to subside if you do this. Returning to superstitions, there are certainly plenty that portend bad luck, and the reasons for this may be twofold. There are all the aspects that we have already examined, of portals, trapped souls and other spiritual things. But another option is rather more straightforward. In the same way that some folk tales are used to warn people away from something, a dangerous location, a morally wrong path, or some more illicit activity. Being afraid of causing catastrophic bad luck could just have been a way of keeping people away from what used to be a very expensive item. High-quality, flat mirrors with no blemishes are cheap and plentiful today, but years ago they would have been very costly and difficult to obtain. What better way to keep the children away from them than a threat of many years of disaster? The idea has become embedded in our cultural heritage, so it must have been quite effective and well used. You should be careful how you hang the mirrors in your home. It is said that no mirror should be hung in such a way that the tallest member of the household cannot see their head when standing normally in front of it. To have your head cut off in a reflection was supposed to cause headaches. One way in which the symbol of the mirror is important in beliefs involving the house is for those who practice feng shui. For example, 
It is considered in terms of feng shui that a house absorbs energy through its front door. Think of it in terms of a human absorbing energy by food going into the mouth. In fact, the front door is often termed the mouth of qi in feng shui, where qi is the energy that is being channeled. Because of this, a mirror should not be hung opposite the front door, as it will reflect the energy back out of the door again. Similarly, it is recommended here that a mirror is not hung facing the bed either. There are a few reasons for this. One or two are taken from the older beliefs about the soul travelling. Some say that during dreaming, the soul may be startled by its reflection in the mirror, leading to the dreamer having nightmares. Others say that when the soul returns to the body, it may get confused and head for the image in the mirror rather than the actual person. Another reason for not having a mirror here works in a similar way to the one about the front door in that energy is bounced back from the mirror. This is said to cause disrupted sleep and drain personal energy, as well as destroying the tranquil atmosphere of the bedroom. There are scientific reasons why hanging a mirror in this way may cause disrupted rest, which feed into these beliefs. Our eyes sense movement through neural circuits in the retina, because of the placement of the retina towards the rear of the eye, this means that our attention is automatically drawn to movement, whether it's right in front of us or at the periphery of our vision. Therefore, if you have a mirror next to your bed, you will notice movements in the reflection. But you would not expect there to be any movement from this part of the room, and hence reflected movement gives your brain a false reading which it may interpret as unnerving. This all leads to disrupted sleep. As we often find, when we examine the origins of folklore, beliefs and superstitions, we may find a small root which grows and expands outwards like the fronds of a fern into multitudinous variations. And so we have seen again with the folklore of the mirror. I hope you have enjoyed this trip through the looking glass into some of these traditions. Thanks for listening. See you next time. The Folklore Podcast is written and presented by me, Mark Norman. To find out more about my research and writing, visit www.facebook.com slash MarkNormanFolklore or on Twitter with the handle at Mr underscore Mark underscore Norman. Research assistance is provided by Tracy Norman. Visit her website at www.tracynormanswitch.com to follow her historical research and projects. The Folklore Podcast will always be free to listen to and tries to avoid annoying advertising or sponsorship messages, but it cannot sustain itself. We are grateful for the support of all of our patrons who, for as little as $1 a month, earn themselves great rewards whilst ensuring our future. For more details, please visit www.patreon.com slash thefolklorepodcast. If you cannot support us in this way, please share the episodes on your social media and leave positive reviews. 
This really helps the audience for the podcast to grow. Visit www.thefolklorepodcast.com for more episode and guest information, to buy from the web store, or to sign up for free newsletters or get in touch. The Folklore Podcast theme music was written and performed by Gurdy Bird. Thanks for listening. <laughs>